In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. He is the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Back to break down practice number 10 of spring on Saturday in full pads. We'll get to that. Also, uh, some more guys have had visits here recently, Jesse. Uh, I know you were able to talk with a few of them. We'll get into that as well. Uh, Wisconsin coming up this Saturday, going to be holding the launch, which is going to be open to the public. Essentially just going to be another uh, practice. However, the Big Ten Network will be there. So if you're not able to be there, you, you will be able to watch it on TV at some point. So uh, that should be good for anybody out of town that was uh, hoping to see Wisconsin at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if you get the same kind of day we got on this past Saturday for this coming Saturday, it's going to be amazing. I mean, it was close to, it was in the mid seventies, sunny. It actually was a little hot, Jesse. I don't know about you. It was a little, little warm, a little warm for uh, April, but if they get that on Saturday, it'd be amazing. It sounds like that's not going to be the case. However, it's probably also not going to be snowing. So, uh, which it currently is as we're recording this. Um, so there's that, but on Saturday, Wisconsin, a full uh, full padded practice, some live tackling, a lot of plays, and it was again uh, another Saturday practice in which C.J. Williams stood out. Maybe he had two of the best plays of the day. Yeah, he's consistently uh, shown up here. I think Saturdays are his days when they really get to go full go. But it's interesting that Wisconsin's wide receiver situation uh, is has this much depth because C.J. has consistently been with the second-team offense in the wide receiver spot behind Shimray D.K., but the more we see of him, the more it's clear that he's a really special playmaker and this coaching staff has to figure out a way to get him on the field in some capacity. I, the challenge here in evaluating what we're seeing in practice is all of his big plays have come against reserves who you may not necessarily be seeing on Saturdays in the fall. I'd really like to see what it would look like when he's matching up against the top corners that Wisconsin has. But either way, he's making the most of the opportunities that he has. And he did have the two highlight plays offensively, I think, or two of them on Saturday where he caught two touchdowns. One was a 45-yard touchdown. These were both from Braden Locke, who's consistently been the number two quarterback. But CJ caught the ball over the middle at about the 25. He was one-on-one with Owen Arnett, who's a walk-on safety. And he put a juke move on him, kind of an inside-out move, and sprung himself for an easy touchdown. And then the second one was a perfectly placed ball from Locke, and he had quite a few of those on Saturday between two defenders, and CJ corralled it with his right hand. It was a one-handed catch, and he was able to score a 20-yard touchdown. So, I mean, based on what we've seen, to me, it feels like there are five wide receivers that we know of that have to be able to contribute in some capacity next season with CJ Williams and Skylar Bell, who've been with the twos now that Will Pauling has ascended into the first-team slot receiver group ahead of Bell. So you've got those two, and you've got Pauling, Chimray DK and Keontes Lewis. And we haven't even mentioned Bryson Green, the Oklahoma State transfer who's been injured, and some of the other guys like Quincy Burroughs, who's flashed. Vinny Anthony had a 75-yard touchdown pass. There's a lot of options. They're going to throw the ball a lot more this season, but I think it's very encouraging what we've seen from the wide receivers so far. I think we've talked about this already, but is there any group that compares to the depth that this team has? Like in, ter- in past years, is there any Wisconsin group that that comes close to this? Not in my mind, uh, but my knowledge of at least in-depth knowledge goes back to 2011 since that's when I started covering the team. I know you grew up 
watching the Badgers, but it's it's an apples to oranges comparison too, just because the offense is completely different and they're utilizing far more wide receivers. And if some of these other wide receivers had more opportunities like this, maybe they would have been able to to showcase their skill set. And we've talked about this too recently, but Luke Fickle even mentioned with the three guys who were the, the top three returning wide receivers with DK Lewis and Bell, he perhaps underestimated what their skill level was uh, because they didn't run this type of offense. And he, and he's been extremely impressed by what they've been able to do. Um, but having said all that, I cannot remember a group this deep. I know in the last show, we talked about the the group that had Quintez and Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor and AJ Taylor, which was a fantastic foursome. Quintez, obviously the standout in that group, but they didn't have six or, or seven guys who could go out and, and do what some of these guys are doing. No, and again, none of them have done it in a game. I mean, I should say none of them have done it in a game. We we know that Jim Ray and Deontis Lewis and obviously Skylar Bell all did it. Will Pauling had his moments at Cincinnati, but was kind of held down due to injury. C.J. Williams played in games, but really wasn't a factor for USC. Now, Bryson Green obviously has done it in games as well, but um, I think it's an, it's an intriguing uh, group because I'd – I think they they are going to end up playing six or seven of them. So it's not like even if you're that fifth or sixth guy that you're not going to be playing. I think you'll be playing a bunch. Uh, if they are if the offense is going to roll the way that they hope it rolls, those guys going to be playing a bunch. So in past years six and seven, what was the point of even putting on your helmet sometimes, right? Like what was the point of even coming out of the field for warmups uh, in Wisconsin's previous offense? So this is going to be different, obviously. Uh, what we saw. Oh, one more thing on C.J. Williams. It feels like it's almost a guarantee that he's also going to get flagged at some of the at the end of some of these big plays, which, <laughs> which is which is exactly what happened after his uh, second touchdown, the one where he held on when he got hit. He got up and spun the ball, and there were officials there, and he obviously got flagged for it. So, I do you think you'd actually do it in the game, or you think it's just practice? I honestly don't know. I haven't seen enough of him outside of this environment. This has been a. I think he seems to be a very emotional, fiery guy, and maybe that helps him play the way that he does. But I also think this is going to be a talking point with the coaching staff, because as Fickle said, when he was asked specifically about CJ a couple of weeks ago, nobody is worth 15 yards during a game. So uh, I, maybe it's just a practice thing, but I, I, I can't be certain. He has to have been the most flight player. Oh, a hundred percent in, in, in camp to this point. It is. It's, it's <laughs> Mike Brown has, a, I don't want to say a challenge on his hands, but he's, he's got to be on top of them. Right. And we've seen yes. that. I mean, and I shouldn't say it's just C.J. Williams that Mike Brown is chasing after all the time, but he's he's uh he's near the top of the list of uh, guys that he is uh, constantly on and constantly talking to. So um, I think C.J. has a ch- has a chance to be great. I think he has he's has just a different type of talent. It's why he was a five star type of player, but it feels like it's just it still needs to be um it needs to be controlled. It needs to it still needs some formation. Right. And I think that's kind of what Mike Brown is is doing. But he was great on Saturday. And I think the last practice where they were in full pads was the Saturday that he tore it up as well. So I don't they haven't been in full pads a ton in spring. But I think the two days that he's been in, they've been in full pads on Saturdays. He's had huge days. So uh, very, very impressive. Um, But you said that the guy that throwing the ball to him, Braden Locke, had a number of. Nice throws. I would say of the two quarterbacks, him and him and Mordecai, I thought Brain Lock had a better day than than Tanner Mordecai. And I don't know. I don't think that's been the case uh, a ton, but certainly uh, it was on Saturday, don't you think? I would agree. And 
I do want to preface this again, that it's really hard sometimes to compare just because he's going against the number yeah. two defense. And I mean, I know we'll talk about this, but the number of huge plays that the number one secondary came up with on Saturday was got to be very encouraging if you're a Badgers fan. But yeah. that takes nothing away from Locke. I thought he was outstanding on Saturday. Uh, he put balls in perfect windows to give his receivers a chance. And he showed a little bit of escapability on there. One play, he stepped up into the pocket to escape pressure, and he, he completed like a 30-yard pass to Quincy Burroughs, who was streaking across the middle of the field. So, again, as a one-two quarterback combination goes at Wisconsin, this is a really solid uh, top quarterback group. Now, obviously, beyond that, a lot of question marks, but hopefully for the Badgers' sake, uh, those are the only two guys that they will need. But Mordecai, for the, I mean, he's had a lot of – he's strung together, what, five or six straight really good practices. I mean, I don't expect it to be outstanding every single day. Um, but I'm very impressed with what Braden Locke's been able to do. And as we know, his, his study habits and knowledge of the offense have given him a substantial leg up. And really, this is the perfect offense for him because – everything he's done in his past fits into this scheme. All the RPO action, that's what he ran in high school when he was down in Texas. And that gave him an advantage, at least starting out ahead of Mordecai, who's certainly picked it up. And of course he was in the air raid last year under Mike Leach. So this is just a, a really good fit for him. And I, I think he's, I know it's early and a long way to go, but he's positioned himself well for his future as a, a quarterback at Wisconsin. I'd say that. Yeah, so you mentioned all the big plays made by the secondary, the first team secondary, uh, and even the second team, you know, with uh, the interceptions that, that they had. But talking about the first team, and maybe this this rolls into the conversation about Tanner Mordecai, I think of the concerns about Tanner Mordecai, me personally, it would be the interceptions. Mm -hmm. um, not 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 the interceptions in camp here, the interceptions that he's had at SMU. I believe it was 22 over the last two years, which, again, when you look at Wisconsin, I mean, Interceptions per pass uh, <laughs> when it comes to Wisconsin versus MSU, not really on the same level. Um, but I, I do, I mean, that like taking care of the ball was so vital under the previous uh, staff. And it, it obviously always is. You don't want to give the other team the ball in good field position and all that good stuff. But like, uh, do you have, have you sensed anything when it comes to, to taking care of the ball with Tanner Mordecai at all in spring? Have you sensed an issue there? Or is it just, guys making plays on defense i don't feel like it's an issue yet based on what we've seen it's it's not like it's every practice he had a lengthy stretch it felt like where he wasn't turning the ball over and some of these are just great plays by the dbs um you know there's been occasional bad throw i mean he uh, the one that comes to mind is he had Keontes lewis streaking down the field open uh and he took a little bit too long to make the read and then he underthrew the ball and I think it was Alexander Smith on him. No, it was Hallman. It was Ricardo Hallman who was on him and Hallman. It ended up being a 50-50 ball that Hallman won. That's a throw you absolutely have to make, but I don't want to – it's a single throw out of hundreds of throws he's making this spring. So it's too early for me to say that I think that's an issue, like there's going to be that back-breaking boneheaded play, which it feels like we have seen from some Wisconsin quarterbacks over the years. Um, so right now I'm – my uh, concern ometer is low. Okay. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into a few more of those those plays by the secondary because I do think it, especially the play of Ricardo Holman so far this spring has been a, a nice, a very nice bright spot. And, you know, Alexander Smith is is the 
I don't know, the established veteran at corner, but Ricardo played a ton of football last year, and I think he's kind of carried it over here to the spring. But before we get off the corner quarterback stuff, again, Phil Longo can say that he doesn't have a number three quarterback, or he can say that, like, you know, it's still an open competition, but or he has a number three quarterback for the day. But when you look at what the reps have broken down to, it's pretty clear right now Marshall Howe is his third quarterback. And then, and then it goes Miles Burkett, and then it goes Nick Evers. Would you disagree with that uh, assertion right now? No, I, okay. I absolutely would not. I The Burkett-Evers thing, I don't know. Um, that may be a day-to-day thing, but there are – I would put Burkett ahead now, and there have been now more than one practice where they go live, whether it's Skeleton or team, and Nick isn't even getting a rep. <laughs> it's Marshall first and then Miles next. But we may have talked about this before. When – Phil Longo was talking to us about having knowledge of the offense that goes beyond the position. He said that there were three quarterbacks who he would, had been meeting with. This was last Tuesday. And they were talking about, I think it was offensive line blocking in a certain run uh, scheme. And the three who have been able to advance to that stage are Mordecai Locke and Marshall Howe. And that is obviously a huge reason for, um, why Marshall's playing a lot. Longo put it on his board. He said, knowledge equals reps. It doesn't get any simpler than that. If you know what you're doing, you are going to have more opportunities. And then, then it's about what is your production when you do get on the field. But absolutely right now, it appears to be Marshall Howe. So Marshall Howe was the one that threw the touchdown to Vinnie Anthony, where it was mm-hmm. a lot of, where it was a lot of Vinnie Anthony speed there with the third team, um, third team defense on the field. And he, Made a great catch and, and took off. We haven't seen him, uh, Vinny Anthony, and we haven't really talked about him. I know you mentioned it. You mentioned that throw earlier, but Evers did throw a touchdown, right? Yes, threw he did. A touch, threw a touchdown to uh, Angel Tombs, who I – he's an intriguing – size-wise, he's an intriguing type of player at tight end. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he's he's got some – he's got some size, obviously. He's, I think he's, what, 6'5", 230, something like that, um, and – He's he's pretty athletic too. You don't normally see that type of body type in a uh, walk-on freshman. Yeah, I think he's listed at six five two thirty five. I've been very impressed with him, and I'm not saying he's going to be in the mix for playing time this season. But I, I think he is the type of player who could emerge later on in his career, especially with this kind of offense. The the throw in question that Wisconsin had the ball at the the six yard line. So I I thought that was an interesting sequence as well. Miles Burkett started the drive out. And they did all sorts of situations. So sometimes they would put the ball at their own 30-yard line. Sometimes it would be at midfield. And uh, and sometimes it would be on the across midfield on the defensive side. And Miles started the drive out. Wisconsin got to the 18-yard line. And Evers entered for Burkett. And I thought Evers made a couple decent plays. He showed off his athleticism. He took off up the middle. And then he threw that touchdown pass. And there was a defender draped all over to him. So it was a, it was a good location for the throw but it was an excellent catch. And he's had a lot of good moments like that in practice, even if it is against the threes there. I don't think there's a lot of walk on true freshmen that uh, come in like that and are able to kind of raise your eyebrows that early. Yeah. One more thing on offense, uh, a little change to the offensive line on Saturday with, well, I should even say it was on Saturday. I'm pretty sure it was Thursday. Wasn't it that they mm-hmm. moved that they made that practices. Move, yeah. Where they moved Joe Huber from uh, center over to left guard. He was number two center. They moved him to left guard in place of Trey Wedig in the starting lineup. And Trey Wedig went to right tackle with the second team offense. So, you know, Joe Heber 
has he has the versatility. I know we talked about that, but it was that's two straight practices that they're doing it. It feels like they're they're just trying to find something there at left guard. Maybe again, maybe that's Tanner Bordellini. If nothing else happens here, if nothing else had happened to uh, Drake Jake Renfro and he was practicing, maybe that's Tanner Bordellini's spot the entire time, and we're not even talking about it. But um, there's it appears they're still working through things, and that is to be expected considering it is April. What the last time they practiced April fifteenth. So they have they've had some things uh, they have some time to work on figuring out exactly who that spot is going to be. But uh, notable that that was the same lineup for a second. Uh, straight practice on the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned him early earlier, but Ricardo Hallman, what we saw last year, he had moment, very good moments last year when he was forced in the starting role opposite with, you know, with Alex Smith being out and, you know, Alex had to work himself back into shape. And so they, I think he, like he dressed for Northwestern game and then he was uh, playing a little bit uh, against Michigan state, but it was really Ricardo Hallman's game. And he had a tough stretch at the end of it. He he gave up some big plays in uh, late in regulation and in overtime. And then it was after that, we didn't see him again, barely at all. They've moved Alex Smith back in the starting lineup, but we barely saw him again. But he doesn't lack for confidence. He always, it, it was a bad day. It, it, it's, it's not going to define me. And I think of all the guys that have had really good springs at, on the defensive side of the ball, he has to be near the top of it. Absolutely. And Luke Fickle talked about this earlier in the week as well. He said, if you ask me one guy in particular that's been as consistent as anybody, I'd say Ricardo. They have this motto with under Fickle and some of the assistants have talked about it too. I think Mike Tressel specifically, they they strive to be not, uh, what does he say? Consistently good, not occasionally great, uh, which I think is a <laughs> Uh, at least interesting that, you know, if you try to be a hero and make a big play and you screw up, that's not going to get you reps on the field. But if you are regularly showing up and being really, really good out there, that leads you to the next level. And he said he felt like Ricardo had been doing that, growing and getting better. And of all the guys out there, especially in the secondary, he, he's the one who's been, I think, making the most plays. And look, let's be honest here Wisconsin with this new offense is throwing the ball a whole lot more than it ever has in any other season that I've seen so it gives more opportunities for the defensive backs but he is there in coverage I mentioned the interception that he had with the 50-50 ball with Keontes Lewis going down the field he had a couple other big plays Wisconsin at the end of practice went to a two-minute drill session and he he was right there in coverage on a a throw that went to Keontes kind of forced Keontes to make a, a tough catch and it bounced off Lewis and then into the air and Jason Matry, the nickel corner, got the interception, but it's been very, very impressed with Hallman. And uh, I mean, Alex Smith even said before spring practice began that he felt like the experience that Hallman went through last season was going to make him a much better player this year. And so far, that's what we've seen. We definitely have, as you know, Alexander Smith had a had a solid spring. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Jason Matry, who has also uh, been. Uh, nice in the slot, not without n- neither one of them, not without uh, giving up big plays. Uh, Alex Smith, you know, I feel like has been chasing a couple times, but I-, I like that top three. And we've seen splashes from Jones to Clona and Jace Arnold with the second team. Yeah, that's notable to me as well. That especially on Saturday, they had a more firm number two, it felt like, and they're still rotating guys, but at corner, it was. Arnold into Clona, and then Amon Williams has been their number two nickel corner. But I thought Arnold was very good. And again, these guys are still giving up the occasional play. He got an interception in the end zone. Um, CJ Williams 
didn't look back for the ball. Obviously, there was some type of miscommunication. Braden put it over there, and Arnold picked it off. And he also broke up a, a handful of other plays. And Duclona has had his moments as well. But they have elevated rather quickly, I think, into the second-team group. So there's a lot of potential for two true freshman early enrollees. For sure. And then at, at the safeties, again, I know we're talking a lot about corners and safeties and uh, tight ends and wide receivers and quarterbacks, but that that's the easiest way to look at spring practice or even practices in general without having the ability to go back and watch like in, like what's happening along the inside of the offensive line or what's happening with the defensive line and how, you know, are guys getting push, consistent push, that type of stuff. Like it's it's tough to to judge all that. So that's why we're talking about uh, a lot of these skill position players. It's not that he, these other guys haven't made plays or they haven't been very good or that they're they're poor. They're not able to stop the run, all that stuff. No, we don't we don't know any of that because it's not real football. For the most part, it's not real football. We saw a little bit of live tackling on Saturday, but for the most part, it's not real football. So that's why we're always talking about the secondary and the wide receivers and that stuff. And again, it was the safeties making plays. We've seen a ton of plays from Hunter Wollers and a ton of plays from Travion Blaylock. And even Austin Brown uh, has given them something nearly on a daily basis. I know that uh, you, you wrote about him in your piece uh, Austin Brown, that is, uh, with Colin Hitzler, the safeties coach, saying it's just a matter of time before he's special. And we've seen some of that this spring. Yeah, we have. All all three of those guys have been making the most of their opportunities. And Travion Blaylock did not practice. He's got an illness. So that changes the rotations a bit. But it's been Waller and Latu consistently with the first team group. There was a good sequence where Hunter had back-to-back hits on Ches Malusi. The first one, he dropped him to the ground. And I think Ches... They were kind of maybe chirping at each other. And then Hunter came right back and and stuffed them at the line of scrimmage. Latu has been all over the place. We know how hard of a hitter he is. He almost intercepted a pass. And and Austin Brown, I mean, I, I, who am I to disagree with Colin Hitchler? And Colin recruited him when and he was at Cincinnati. They really wanted Brown. Austin obviously ended up at Wisconsin. He's just consistently around the ball. This is not the first time I've said this, but when earlier in practice, I mentioned the two big catches that CJ Williams had, but he had another one up the right sideline for about a 20 yard gain. And Brown came over and just popped him, knocked him to the ground. Uh, and then later he came off the edge and and got a sack. Uh, Austin Brown did. So I think we're, he's got an opportunity to contribute certainly this year, but his future is very bright. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned for people who are listening, like, why aren't you talking about the defensive linemen or enough of the linebackers or the running backs? it's really, really hard to make those determinations because is a handoff a five-yard gain or a 25-yard gain? We don't truly know because generally you see someone get thudded up. And even when we were watching the ones, they're not going to throw Braylon out there to get tackled. Not right now, not in April. And Ches Malusi did a handful of times, but it's not exactly what it's going to look like on Saturdays in the fall. Uh, and so that's why sometimes it's really difficult to make those determinations. And again, they're passing it way more. So those are true live reps where you're seeing how does this DB match up against wide receiver and what happens. I can promise you Braylon Allen wants to get some physicality, right? Because we saw a couple times him run into Kamoi Latu. Uh, <laughs> Kamoi came after him one time and and got him pretty good. And the second time it was just straight one-on-one, probably like five or six yards down the field. And they hit each other and neither one like moved a muscle. They both just, it was a stalemate. But yeah, Braylon certainly isn't going to lack for the want to be in contact. I know last year we saw, we didn't see it nearly as much because he was banged up, but 
if given the opportunity, he I don't think he has any problem running through somebody. But we've we've seen some special moves from him in, in the backfield. Who knows what it would look like if the guys were able to tackle him? But uh, we saw one on Thursday that was just uh, insane. I think EW posted on their their Twitter page, but just a nice little jump cut uh, to get free for what would have been a touchdown in the red zone. So there have been flashes of that type of stuff. It's just who knows what exactly it would look like if they were able to truly, truly tackle him. Uh, so on Thursday, we kind of talked about this after Luke Fickle said something to the effect of, you know, we didn't have enough guys out there uh, or guys. What was it? They didn't have enough guys, enough guys pushing through to get out there to play, to practice. It felt like there were a whole lot more guys out there practicing and a lot fewer yellow jerseys than we had seen uh, for much of spring. One guy that was back that I don't have anything to do with uh, injury-wise was uh, Jeff Pietrowski, who he returned after missing a time with an illness, and he worked with the second-team defense. And I, I don't know what exactly his role will be, but it was a nice little boost to the depth at outside linebacker that has been a little bit lacking so far this spring because Caden Johnson's missed a bunch of time, but he was out there again. And so it was outside linebacker. CJ gets also back. So their depth at outside linebacker improving here this last practice. Petrowski was there for the very first spring practice and then wasn't able to fully participate again until this past Saturday. So that's what eight practices that he, he couldn't do anything. And so they got him for a reason. He's working with the twos when he was back and, and he had a really nice move. I think he beat Trey Wettig off the edge and he sacked Locke or would have sacked Locke. We should mention they don't exactly uh, hit the quarterbacks, but they do blow the play dead. Even um, Matt Mitchell said when we talked to him, he's still trying to figure out exactly where he wants to put Petrowski, but there's some versatility there. And two seasons ago at Michigan State, he had five and a half sacks. They used him more as a defensive end, but I think that's maybe going to end up being a sneaky good pickup. Not not the flashiest name of all the ones we've talked about among those 13 scholarship transfer portal additions. He's a veteran. He's got a ton of playing experience. He actually has experience working with Mike Tressel, who was at Michigan State. So I think you will be hearing his name certainly this fall. It's just a matter of where does he wind up? How do they want to use him? Yeah. Um, and we'll close with this. The uh, special teams on Saturday uh, got a little punting, got a little uh, field goal kicking. My understanding is uh, I was a little late getting there on Saturday. That's just kind of me. So uh, I apparently missed uh, the great punting exhibition of 2023 and you on your phone getting hang times. Why not? I should mention, by the way, because because uh, you missed this early portion of 11 on 11. But since we were talking about the outside linebackers, TJ Bowlers had a great interception that he returned for a touchdown. So another throw that Braden Locke probably would have wanted to have back. But Vinny Anthony was breaking to the outside on the right sideline and threw it a little too far inside. And, and Bowlers was out there in coverage due to his 268 pounds, showed off his athleticism and versatility, picked it off and and went in for a touchdown. So another name that we should note among that outside linebacker group. But. The special teams, look, only reason I'm doing this is because Matt Mitchell is such an interesting guy to talk to, given that he has extensive uh, experience working with special teams. He was saying that how they judge punting is that he said, we call it the match, where you got to match your the yardage with the hang time. So if it's a 45-yard punt, we want it to be a 4.5-second hang time. I thought, okay, well, if he's going to throw it out there and we we're watching, let me just give my cell phone stopwatch out and see what's going on and at least try to give – readers an explanation of why Jack Van Dyke is the one and Gavin Myers is the two. And I thought even in those handful of reps, I could see it because Van Dyke, the way he's able to hang the ball up there, it's just a little bit better right now than Myers. 
And that allows the coverage unit an opportunity to get down there. And so, yeah, these numbers are all unofficial. Who knows what Wisconsin actually has? But I thought Van Dyke demonstrated why he's uh, been the number one guy this spring. And the kicking competition. Oh, yes. Mm. Love me some kicking competition. Yes, outside. So it's not all the nice the nice weather. You're not getting that this uh, in, when you get outside. And it kind of shows. I'll be stunned if Nathaniel Vakos isn't the guy. They're giving him every opportunity, and and uh, he's got the leg. But uh, so the first attempt that he had, it, it was from 43 yards, and it bounced off the right upright. But uh, he bounced back really well. And it, this was another kind of fun part of of watching this scrimmage is they they had the live field goal kicking too. So if there was a drive and it ended at whatever yard line, they would then have the kicker go out there. So the, the, this is not a prearranged, at least I don't think, <laughs> a script of you're going to be kicking from this yardage. So you you kind of got that feel of what it might be like. So Vakos came back, he had a 36-yarder, and then the best kick that he made is the one that ended practice. So they, he had a 46-yarder, I think it was between the hashes. It was in the two-minute drill. There were two seconds left. And the best part was they they snapped it and Fickle ran in there and called a timeout to ice Vakos and he ended up kicking the ball anyway and it went in. But then he he reset himself after the timeout and he buried the 46 yarder. So I thought that was really impressive. And Nate Van Zelst has been handling it with the twos and he got two tries. He made a 36 yarder and then had a 42 yarder that was blocked. I obviously it was low enough to get blocked. I don't know whether it would have gone in, but right now it certainly feels like. Uh, Look, he brought Vakos in on scholarship. They don't really do that very often with specialists. So we got to really see the full gamut, I think, on Saturday. And hopefully people who do go to the launch have a chance to see this as well. And my bet would be that you will, because all the Saturdays that we've had have been not exactly like this past one, where they did true move the ball. But there is a ton of scrimmage action, and it should give you a good idea of what this Wisconsin team looks like. Yes, place, place kicking always fun to watch, and and obviously the Saturday practices have been uh, the best to watch. And as you said, I, I hope fans do get a chance to see that on Saturday uh, with the launch. Wisconsin going to be back on the field for practice on Tuesday. Uh, just what, one, two, three, four, five, five practices left? Is that right? Uh, that here is correct. So getting towards the end of uh, the end of things. It's also a busy time for recruiting. Obviously, Wisconsin got that commitment last week from Landon Galthier. As we're recording this, um, <laughs> uh, that we're uh, expecting another one as well. Um, and we'll talk about that, or I'll talk about that tomorrow on tomorrow's show when that does uh, eventually come through. However, you had an opportunity to chat with um, uh, a few guys who have made visits to Wisconsin recently, both in the class of 2024 and the class of 2025. Um, I'll just go in order based on your piece. All right. So we'll start with uh, Jaden Matthews, the running back out of Arizona. He's a three-star recruit. He's the 79th running back, according to uh, the 24-7 composite. Wisconsin has some holes to fill there at running back with uh, two guys being seniors and, and Braylon Allen expected to, if everything goes as planned, leave after this year. They have behind them right now, obviously, they have Kate Iacomelli and Jackson Aker and going to have Nate White this this fall in terms of scholarship guys but they they have some they have some needs there at running back I fully expect Wisconsin to end up with two running backs in this recruiting class just based on what the roster construction looks like as you laid out they would have the potential to lose three guys after this season so Matthews appears to be firmly in play after his visit and he's been taking a bunch of visits but he's a very shifty speedy tailback he's not your 
six foot bruiser. He's not the Braylon Allen type. He's 5'10, 170. But if you watch his highlights, he's got some power to him. He can knock some dudes over. It's the speediness and shiftiness, though, that really stands out. And he can do a lot in the kick return game, too. He had a, a 94 yard kick return for a touchdown in the Arizona Open Division Championship game in de- December. But if Wisconsin could potentially get him and say Darian Dupree, I think that would be a really good one two punch in this recruiting class. Obviously, work to do. But uh, he likes Wisconsin. Talked about going to the Friday Fish Fry, and he said RBU lived up to its name. Again, as I've said before, people who want to talk to me, a Wisconsin reporter, about a recruiting visit to Wisconsin, generally are not going to say, yeah, it sucked. But I think he his will be an interesting recruitment to follow and, and running back, as we know, at Wisconsin, such an important position and will continue to be even in this new offense. Yeah, Darian Dupree and um, is the other guy that you mentioned – those two, that'd be that'd be a nice little one too if they were able to end up uh, landing both of those guys. I know Dupree is a guy that's very very interested uh, in Wisconsin. We'll we'll see if they're able to close on both of those guys. Um, inside linebacker Cruz Law, I love that, love the name, love the name. Uh, but a three star linebacker out of Tennessee. I think Wisconsin's got a really good shot with him. They've clearly prioritized him. See a lot of value in him. He's six one, two hundred eighteen pounds. He made his second trip to Madison here. And and all these guys that I talked to were at uh, two Saturdays ago, they were at the spring practice. So they all got to see the, all got to have the same experience with that practice. But he, I think really enjoyed his time with Mike Tressel, who's obviously also the inside linebackers coach. He talked about how, when they would watch film, Tressel ran him through how he grades his players, what he looks at in terms of effort and hustle and all the different categories, what a good rep and a bad rep looks like, and also how law would fit into that system. So um, I would expect Wisconsin to end up in the final cut, and he's got about 30 scholarship offers, so it's an impressive list. But he'll be back. He wants to plan an official. So uh, sometimes your head can spin if you're trying to keep track of all these recruits, especially if you're a fan. Um, How interested are these guys? Is it legitimate? I think Cruz Laws is definitely uh, in play as a potential inside linebacker in the class. Obviously, a long way to go, but dude can hit and make plays, and uh, I think that's uh, a good starting point. Another guy that you uh, were able to chat with was Trey Poteet, who has a little bit – obviously, the last name familiar because his dad was the cornerbacks coach, Hank Poteet, the last two years. Uh, But he is – and now he's at Iowa State, but – Trey is not following him to Iowa. They're, they're going to stay here and finish out his high school. He plays for Verona. And so it's it's a little bit interesting because it would feel like an awkward dynamic that, you know, your dad's no longer here um, and we're going, but we're going to keep on recruiting you. And it would just seem like he wouldn't be interested at all. However, the cornerbacks coach that they did hire in Paul Haynes has a connection to the Poteet family. I thought that was really interesting. I, if it was anybody else, uh, and I'm not saying Trey Poteet is going to end up at Wisconsin. Um, I also wonder, Iowa State offered him as soon as <laughs> Hank got there, which makes a lot of sense. On the other hand, um, what's that coaching staff going to look like in six years? You just, you have no idea. But with with uh, Paul Haynes, he was the head coach at Kent State for a few years and Two of those years, 2015-16, Hank Poteet, Trey's dad, was the cornerbacks coach. So Trey said he's actually known Haynes since he was in like the third grade. And I think that has helped to mitigate what would potentially be an extremely awkward situation. Here's the school that just uh, overhauled its coaching staff. And my dad was a part of that. And they still want to recruit me. But 
at least they've got a very good relationship. And uh, I mean, Poteet, he's he's got a lot of talent, Trey Poteet. I don't know what's going to happen for him. I mean, he says Wisconsin is just as high on his list as everyone else, which is probably what you should say. But that's <laughs> a very unique recruitment, I would say. I think it definitely is. And he's got some elite offers already. And with Nebraska, excuse me, should not throw Nebraska at the top of this, but uh, Penn State and Michigan and Nebraska. But I think he, he's he got a chance to blow up. I think he's become like a huge, huge recruit. Yeah. And uh, some of the Blue Bloods, bigger blue, even more Blue Blood than Michigan and, and Penn State uh, may come calling and it might be. Um, might be a difficult one to to close on um, if you're Wisconsin. Either way, Christian Jones, linebacker out of Omaha. Um, he's a four-star recruit. He's number five linebacker in the composite. He was also in town recently. Yeah, this one. Sometimes when you talk to a kid, you kind of get a, maybe, I don't know, a vibe of where things are, are going. And I, he's been to Wisconsin for three times now. I just wonder. It feels like it's going to be a tough one. Um, not saying Wisconsin can't win, but he's got a – a really good offer list. Um, I mean, Notre Dame's in there, Stanford, USC. Um, and when I asked him where Wisconsin stands, he said, I'd say it's an option. He's like, they're in the mid. I like them a lot. They're in the Midwest. It'd be an option. You know, like there are other guys that when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, I can't wait to get back there. I'm going to plan an official. I love, and, and that, he had very complimentary things to say about Wisconsin, but sometimes I, I, I can only go off kind of what I'm hearing. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him. But again, he's he's a top five linebacker in the 2024 class or 2025 class, excuse me. So it would be a major coup if Wisconsin could get him. And I mean, Badgers are going to put everything they have into all these guys they're getting on campus. It just kind of remains to be seen what's going to happen there. Another linebacker that was in town was Camden Launt, uh, Lawton Slogger. Is that Schlager? Slogger? How do you say that? You know? Did you I'm ask? Gonna go, I'm going to go with Loudenslager. Loudenslager. All right, we're going to go with that. Um, he uh, he was back in town. He he visited a couple of years ago, but uh, slightly different look now here with this with this new staff. Yeah, he likes it a lot. Um, uh, another kid that I think he, um, he wants to come back. Uh, <laughs> I think Wisconsin Wisconsin's definitely going to be in the the mix. And and he said it, the the visit that he just had impressed him maybe as much as anyone that he's taken, especially the practice that he got to see um, can be one benefit. We talk a lot about the offense, but I think guys who play defense are really intrigued by what, what they're doing and the energy and enthusiasm that's there. He really liked the tempo. Um, and I mean, he's at a boarding school outside Baltimore. He's actually from Harrison, Pennsylvania. It's a kind of interesting. I feel like this is more of an East coast thing, but he plays lacrosse there too. He's there Monday through Friday. And then he goes back home on the weekends. And part of why he's there is it's a very prestigious academic school but also a very good athletic school and for football as well so um still a couple years out obviously with the 2025 class but that would be another name to watch somebody who really likes wisconsin and then obviously the badgers are pursuing hard same boarding school as eric burrell graduated from there you go uh, the, the former wisconsin safety so yeah McDonough's that school. yep um all right well it's 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 interesting um we also uh, I'll also be talking about this tomorrow. We, I mean, we'll, and we'll talk about it on Thursday. Um, it was something that we talked about last week and we were talking about the Catholic Memorial kids um, in, in the 2024 class and Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith and Donovan Harbor is going to be making his announcement known on Tuesday and everyone has him going to Penn state. 
and uh, it feels like Corey Smith is in, is headed that way as well. I know that's going to upset a lot of people. I think there's more to the story. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to talk a, bit, a little bit more about it on Thursday. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow, but then we'll talk about it on on uh, Thursday show when Jesse uh, rejoins us to break down practice number 11. But um, we, when we talked about it last week, I, I know I got some messages. I know you did too. Some people aren't going to be pleased about it. I get that. Uh, if that's the if that the way if that is the way it ends up happening, but more to the story, I guess is what is what we can say. So, uh, all right, Jesse, thank you very much. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll catch back up on Thursday and and we'll see what we see here on in Tuesday's practice and in Thursday's practice. Thanks, Zach. Talk soon. All right, all right. There he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the camp.